0: um, we're we're in kind of a three week mini series, and I was just praying about what to talk about for a couple of weeks um before we have a few transitions and I just you know I just felt like the Lord put it on my heart talk about the gifts some but specifically what prophecy is <coughs> um how many of you believe prophecy is for today yeah good that's good. I got the right message then uh you know i I have to watch myself because that the 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 admonition to not despise prophecy is for me, because I could very easily fall into the mindset of you know f- dismissing the gift of prophecy because of prophets, if you know what I'm saying <laughs> uh but I've grown and I've learned to um, respect all the offices and really I feel like, you know, the Lord's put it in my heart as part of the vision for this church is to really make sure that we do have all of the offices in function, you know, that that we are the kind of body that doesn't limit anything that God wants to do but it's going to be always, always, always framed through the finished work of Christ. Always framed through who we are in the new covenant and always framed from the perspective of we are now part of His kingdom. We are not under a scenario. We are not in an agreement with God. We are not in a relationship with God where there's the threat of judgment and punishment for His people for breaking the covenant. If you ever hear anybody prophesy, quote-unquote prophesy, that God's, you know, you better watch out because judgment might come because of this, well, you know, they need to wake up and realize there's actually a new covenant. And that's, that's my biggest problem. It's not prophecy in and of itself. It's that there's so much mixture within the communities that do pursue the gifts. And, you know, it's not necessary, you know, I had to work through this, it's not delivery, it's not style, it's not, you know, because the artists or the, the, the prophets tend to be the artists, they tend to be the more poetic ones, right? Those of you that don't really care for poetry, you probably don't care that much for the prophet's delivery because part of the very de- definition is, is lofty, metaphorical, you know, language. So I view it as they're the artistic ones within the community. They're the artistic ones that that see, you know, that 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 have a perspective of the kingdom. We're all looking at the same kingdom. We're all part of the same kingdom. But their perspective, you know. So in other words, you put a, you put a a, a a Michelangelo or a Rembrandt painting up here, and some of you are going to stare at that Rembrandt and say. Wow! Look at the lighting. The lighting is really interesting. There's so much darkness here, but yet there's so much luminosity, and the strokes are really amazing. But then the prophets are going to look at it and go, "That light right there means that God is trying to speak to you. That when you were seven, that it, you know, it's like it's going to be behind. It's like the message behind it, right? And that's okay. That's just what to the prophet, everything means something and that's okay, right? But if the prophet has one foot in the old covenant and uh you know maybe is seeking to make it about knowledge and information and not the glorification of Christ, then it starts to get a little weird and wonky and you know where mm, so what I want to talk about is not how to prophesy. I can't teach you how to prophesy. Only the Spirit, Holy Spirit can do that. So if you want to learn how to prophesy, go develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and He will teach you because He's the teacher. Amen? But we can look at what new covenant prophecy is, and we can look at the elements that will guide us in the direction if we do feel that we are called to operate in that gift or even in that office. So quickly, I think for the next couple of weeks, and, I, and I'll make it. I'm kind of doing it out of order. Next week, I'll frame, you know, gifts in general. But um, uh, so the offices—apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist—those th- are not anointings, and they are not offices of authority. They're they're jobs, they're assignments within the body. Uh, so, there is no such thing under the new covenant as a prophetic anointing in an individualistic perspective. There's the office of the prophet, but there's only one anointing. And that one anointing is what? Yeah. It's like the old elementary, it's like the kids' church answer. I don't know, but Jesus, whatever, Jesus, yeah, whatever the answer, right? You know, there, there's one anointing. That anointing abides. You don't need any man to teach you. There's one anointing, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If, you, Like we talked about in communion, if you have the Spirit, you have been indwelt by the Spirit. God has sealed you for the day of salvation with His Spirit. He has smeared His Spirit all over you. He has made you one with His Spirit. And from there on, you can choose to be clothed with His Spirit, otherwise known as being filled with His Spirit. And there may be the first time that you ever experience that, you can call that being baptized in the Spirit. But, you know, it's funny that when we put some, the charismatic put so much emphasis on being baptized in the Spirit, and they, they frame it in such a way as that's when you get the Spirit. But when you think about what baptism is, you're not trying to get water. In you, you're becoming immersed in something. So what you're trying to do, uh, what baptism of the Spirit truly is, is to be immersed, saturated, totally submerged in, baptizo, underneath, within, you know, to be surrounded by the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing, every believer has the Holy Spirit within them already, right? So it is possible to live with the spirit in you but not having yielded to the spirit being upon you. And I don't think that that's God choosing a whim of when and where and how that happens. I think a lot of it is just your well it's just your receptivity to yield to that power that is within you to come upon you. And we need to yield to the power that is within us to come upon us so that we can be witnesses. I'm I'm actually going to have you follow me. I'm I'm looking at notes here instead of the slides, but I just kind of wanted to frame some things in the beginning. I want within this body all the gifts, all the gifts, and all the offices functioning and happening. And I'll put it out to you. You know, I'm not when I when I'm standing up here and I'm ministering. I'm looking at what feels like to me a home community, a family, a church. You know, this is not, and we want it to grow, but this is not where I'm looking over the heads of who's here of what we could be. I'm looking at you. You guys are here. You know, whether you feel like God called you to be here or not, you're here. And a lot of you are here, here. And and I want you to step into that which God would lead you to be in this body and within the kingdom at large. Now, I get it. Sometimes people come in and maybe you've come out of a denominational perspective and this spirit stuff is new and you're learning. Or maybe you were in hyper spirit environment and it's like, man, I need some grounding. And you've kind of unplugged from that and you come into a word and spirit kind of uh, settling and grounding. You know, there's all kind of walks and, and, and I think we're poised to really scale because I just think we've got great foundation in place to really be that. And so what we get to be for people is, as God adds people to this body, is uh, you know, seasoned people in this new covenant operating in our gifts, operate, operating in, the, in our offices within this body in the, in the kingdom, to disciple people as they come in. You know, So it's like I'm speaking to an inner circle here in terms of, this is a body that God has called us to be this body. None of you are outsiders. And, and I say this kind of regularly, but I, I just remind you, don't let the, the thought that you don't quite fit in take root. You know, like, okay, I'm there, that's my church, but I'm kind of out here, I'm not quite on the same page. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm there. And I Listen, I'm just telling you, everybody feels that way. Everybody feels that way. Most of, Most people feel that way so just don't feel that way. And, and because it's all in your mind, there's, there's not a thing other than you making some friends, you making a decision in your mind and your heart to feel plugged in. Like there's no magic thing that's going to happen. Nobody's going to finally do for you that thing that you're expecting to be done that makes you feel like, Oh, now I'm part of the inside. you know what i mean we don't I don't want that culture. I don't want that game playing. I don't want it to be where it's like you know you have lunch at my house or something like that, and now you're in or whatever it's you know it, i mean one one of the one of the one of the invitations I put out there is you know, I promise I will let you be you. All I ask is you let me be me, and so many people come in with expectations and hurts and judgments and issues and preconceptions, and it's like, man, I'm thankful I didn't grow up in church. Because I just, you know, even as even long as I've been a pastor, I, I don't know, anyway. anyway. Let, me, let me stay on track here. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? Um, I think a lot of what people call prophecy is actually words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of encouragement. You know, I, I think prophecy can be common, but it's also uncommon. You know, prophecy is an interesting gift in that the nature of it. So I'm going to kind of unfold what it is throughout this whole thing. It's not like a one one and done. But but uh, let me let me just read a few things to you. So the word prophet in the Greek, um, prophetes. This is the definition: one who moved by the Spirit of God, declares to man, to men what he has received by inspiration, especially concerning future events. Okay, so now I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Your homework assignment is read 1 Corinthians this week. And we're really going to kind of camp out in that area over the next few weeks, but don't put it off. Maybe even read it a few times, you know, go on Bible Project. <laughs> And watch the summary video of what 1 Corinthians is all about. Get some context of who the audience is, who's speaking to, the major themes, so that you can pay attention as you're reading through it. 1 Corinthians is a great book about framing the spirit's activity within the body in terms of the structure and order and all that. Specifically, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 are all about the gifts and and specifically prophecy. So read 1 Corinthians. Read what? All of it. Yeah, all of it. That's right. All of it. So that's homework assignment number one. And and we're going to send it. Did somebody say, uh-oh? <laughs> Listen, I'll be nice. I'll be nice. Yeah, I was, I want, I'm not, I'm not going to say what I was thinking. Just so you, um, I actually have four homework assignments for you, but it's spread out through three weeks. But you really should do it your whole life. <laughs> uh, and and I, we will send out an email this week with it all buttoned up, bullet pointed and everything. It'll be super clear as a reminder. But I want you to pay attention so that you can think about it as you go this week, right? Because, I mean, I hope you engage Scripture more in your personal life than we do here at church. I heard mmm, but I didn't hear a whole lot of amens on that one. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So the prophet, one moved by the Spirit of God, declares to men what he's received by his Spirit, especially concerning the future. It's unique to prophecy. And in particular, such as relate to the cause and kingdom of God and to human salvation. So... One of your homework assignments is going to be to create either a recipe, whether it's bullet points with elements of New Covenant prophecy. You're going you're gonna to create this sketch for yourself by reading through 1 Corinthians. I'll tell you, I'll give you the answers, some of them today, but I kind of want us to have a dialogue about what this looks like because I want to nurture and, and make room for The gift. I'm not trying to say we're going to now become one of those kind of churches that puts the gift of prophecy at the top of everything, and that's what we're seeking to do. And it's going to, it's now it's everything that we're doing. You know, that's it's Jesus. It's His presence. It's it's the finished work. It's still the process of transformation, renewing your mind to step into who you are in Christ. But one of the aspects is there's a hurting world out there. And we need to learn how to put on the Spirit of God to move in these gifts for people in a real, mature, new covenant, healthy way. Amen? And and that's why I'm not trying to say this is how you do it or this is what you should do. All I'm looking at, we're going to look at Scripture and look at the definition and the elements of what new covenant prophecy is, right? So it's regarding the future, specifically about the kingdom of God. So if you're bullet-pointing elements of New Covenant prophecy, it's regarding the future, concerning the kingdom of God, regarding salvation. That's three right off the bat. Now, again, I'm not trying to make a box. I'm just looking at, okay, these are the elements that we want to make sure that are in our understanding and in our thinking as we listen to prophets, I mean, you know, that's I would, I would, <laughs> I have to be careful. But I, I would love to have some interactions with some legitimate prophets. Is that fair enough? That's nice enough, right? And I say that only because, again, how how goofy. That whole world gets, and, and, and let me just keep going. You get the point. I, 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 I've just seen so much abuse, and, I, and, and one of the things that I see as a problem is the codependent culture that gets, you know, pe- people, the prophetic, inspirational, artistic people are okay with loftiness with no substance, emotion, with no responsibility or maturity. Are you with me? Yeah. And and I, I want to root out that element. I'm not trying to make prophecy be one thing or another. I'm just trying to bring it to a place of, let's let's make sure it's effective. You know, it's funny. So let me just keep reading. Uh, so the word prophecy, prophet 2 uh, uh is to speak forth divine inspirations, to predict, so to prophesy is to predict with the idea of foretelling future events pertaining to especially the kingdom of God. Uh, a lot of times, well, let me see here. So to break, so to prophesy is to break forth under sudden impulse in lofty discourse or praise of the divine counsels. Lofty discourse. Or praise of the divine counsels. So I'm trying to, I'm wanting to facilitate an environment where the prophetic is active and alive because what it does, what it should serve to do, is give us vision. Give us a perspective of, oh okay, a lot of us might call it imagination, but it's a divinely inspired imagination. It's to look ahead and see where we're going and what God is calling us into, but not in some obscure path. It's in regard to the kingdom. It's in regard to who we are in the kingdom, what we have in the kingdom. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, so stay with me here. But this idea of lofty discourse and praise of the divine counsels, now, that's a whole thing right there. But, you know, you hear prophets talk a lot about angels, a lot about spiritual beings, a lot about that whole world. Man, we need, we need to be completely open to all of that. Amen? We need to be completely open to locked up in prison when you're in some hostile nation that you praise to the point that you're interacting with angels and they come and unlock your jail cell and lead you right on out. I've got a friend, uh, Ed Elliott, we want to have him back. He's been taking care of his family. He's done missions all over the planet, probably led 3, 000, 3 million people to the Lord just through his own ministry. He was in, um, I think, in uh, China or I forget which country he was in, but it was you know where you have to be more underground, there's a lot of underground churches. Was it, yeah, Vietnam, it Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia? I forget which, which country this specifically was, but he got arrested and uh, thrown into jail, and they beat him, they caned him. And, um, you know, he's there laying on the table thinking he's probably going to die in this jail cell. And probably two or three o'clock in the morning, here comes the, the door opens, he sees a little face peek in, motion him out and then he recognizes that he's a guy that was in the underground church he'd been speaking in a couple days before. And uh, so they, they slink their way out past the guard stand in the front, and they're all passed out drunk because the church took up an offering, bought beer, <laughs> Took it to the jail, left it there because they know the prison guards are going to drink it and get drunk. And they all passed out, except for the guy that sweeps the floors of the prison, who was a part of that underground church, you know. And it's just like, that really didn't have anything to do with angels. It just kind of reminded me of jail cells being open, but <laughs> sorry if I baited in your switch, but anyway. Can you think? I mean, Here's a church praying. Let's go buy some beer. That'll shake up the religious spirits, won't it? That's the kind of thing a prophet would come up with. Uh, so, but this lofty discourse, you know, man, it's it's just the poetic. It's it's a we we have to be we have to be open and willing to be drawn into the appreciation. Of that perspective. I think a lot of us are locked into where we are in our lives, our current states, because we have no imagination. We can't see beyond what we're managing. And a lot of us get things where it's like everything's pretty good, but man, God, the, but the kingdom, the kingdom, the purpose of the kingdom is at hand. The purpose of what we have to do within the kingdom is at hand. And oftentimes we need to be drawn into that. And you're not drawn into that if you don't have a vision for it, if you can't see it, if you don't have a perspective for it, right? And a lot of us, we have that sense, but the prophet comes in. To me, what the prophet does comes in and paints a painting of what the future could look like with words, lofty words of divine spiritual things. And we're looking at it, and it's like you got to put on your artistic mindset for just a moment and look at it and not be linear and critical, but be, be open as long as it's seasoned with the new covenant. It's all these elements that are in place, right? I'm telling you, man, what we need is a revival of people that know how to hear and follow God under the new covenant. To watch a church fully saturated with an understanding of the finished work of Christ functioning in the gifts of the Spirit... You know, I'm not saying that that's the answer for revival. I'm not a big revivalist in terms of my perspective of, that's a whole other topic, but I'm not against revival. I just, oh boy, let me just keep going here. And, and so an aspect of the lofty discourse, it's kind of like a, like a, a point underneath that is to teach, refute, reprove, admonish, and comfort others. So there can be a direct element. There can be a word given to you that is corrective in nature, but it's always going to bring you to testifying of Jesus and who you are in regard to the kingdom and your future within the kingdom. Now, that's that's one aspect of it. We're going to keep on going. We're going we're to look at what Jesus said about it and season in his elements. So uh, you know, one of, the, one of the key things to remember is Acts 1.8. You can go ahead and put that up there. And this is, this is Jesus. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Never forget when you hear people teaching on, talking about, being filled with the Spirit, baptism of the Spirit, all that kind of stuff. Never forget that the Spirit is in you. Amen? Every single believer, the Spirit is in you. And you do want Him to come upon you but that's you yielding to that power to come upon you. You're not just sitting there waiting for God to sovereignly do some kind of thing. Now, we are in a relationship with God. God is active. God is moving, and He does whatever He wants to do. So I'm not trying to limit what He will or won't do, but in general, if you want to flow in the power of God in your life and ministry toward others, specifically the gifts, it's a decision. It's, it's a willing act of you yielding to the immersion of the Spirit and then stepping out into it. There's, you're, if you're waiting for something to happen, it's probably not going to happen. It's already in you. Amen. Amen? So Acts 1-8, this is Jesus, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria as far as the uh, remotest parts of the earth. So this, this idea, this is, this is like the big idea. I've got a few points to make in the big idea, but if you, if you remember anything, walk out of here remembering this. You are to be a witness of Christ. Amen? Say, I'm a witness. I'm a witness. So what, is a, what does a witness do? Share. Share. Testify. Testify. Example tells the truth. truth. Think about in a court setting. What does a witness do? Gives testimony. Based on based on what? Gives testimony evidence. Gives testimony based on what? Knowledge. Knowledge. Eyewitness account. Somebody what they've seen. What'd you say? Truth. Truth. I mean that's all. That's all. Right. You know, that's, that is the whole big picture. We are witnesses. We are to testify of Jesus. That's what a witness does, right? So uh, the, the, they testify of what they've seen and heard and what they know. We testify of what we know about Jesus based on what we've experienced. You know, and that I'm telling you, that's the thing about being an effective, powerful witness. A lot of people, it's just head knowledge, a lot of people, it's just information. It's just knowledge of the Bible. And it's not, it's not a witness that is uh, rooted in a, a personal, spiritual, transformative experience with the Word of God on the inside of you. Like, if you feel insecure speaking to people about your knowledge of God in any given area, it might be related to you not having had an experience in that area. And I'm not talking about an experience where the heavens peel back and you see an angel and a flying tiger with wings goes by. Or I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about seeing angels standing up here on the stage. I'm talking about on the inside of you, there's a knowing that is, that is birthed out of your thankfulness toward God, your worship toward Him, and you hosting the Word of God on the inside of you. You know, we need to give the written word an opportunity to become the living word. And this is the, also the problem with analytical, you know, um, completely left-brain-minded people that it, it's all evidence-based, it's all sola scriptura, it's all let's put the glasses on and study, and it's an, almost an academic perspective, right? Uh, praise God for that, but if it doesn't become the living word for you where it becomes something that you can't put into words but you know, You know what I'm saying? You just know. Like people ask you, why do you believe? Well, it's not because you have evidence of the resurrection. It's not because you can argue scripture with them. Why do you believe? It's because you've had an encounter with the Son of God. You know God. You know deep within your spirit. You can't articulate it. You can't necessarily even explain it, but you just know. There's a spiritual knowledge that gives you assurance. There's a spiritual manifestation of the Spirit of God on the inside of you that confirms to you, you are His child. This is Romans 8. The Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you are His child. That's why you believe. And then Scripture teaches you about that connection and that identity and that assignment from that identity. Amen? Like if you're confused about... Well, let me just keep going here. So you're a witness. Say, I'm a witness. I'm a witness. My job is to testify of Jesus. One more time. My job is to testify, to testify of Jesus. All right. And so we testify based out of what we experienced. This is how I frame what new covenant prophecy is. Uh, based on the Holy Spirit making us witnesses, the Holy Spirit is also a witness. Now, f- just think about this. This is what I want you to get out of today. The Holy Spirit is a witness of Jesus and His kingdom, and He wants to testify too. The Holy Spirit wants to testify in the earth to people. God Himself wants to testify to people. Now, how does He do that? Through us. He testifies through us. So prophecy is when the Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus through you. Now, why the testify thing? Let's keep going. This is how it works. Just real quick, just to have this in your thinking, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1 through 4. I'm just in the New King James today. Uh, So, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. You don't pray in tongues, you're missing an opportunity to develop your conversation with God. Some people, you know, again, there's a group of people that come into this church and, and this thinking that don't want to operate in that or, or maybe have a negative view of it. I get it. I understand it. But just so you know, right here in Scripture, praying in tongues, praying, you know, in a, in another. this is why I want you to read 1 Corinthians all the way through because it unpacks this a whole lot more. But your, your thinking is unfruitful. It specifically says your thinking is unfruitful. In other words, it don't make no sense. (laughs) Praying in tongues will not make any sense to this. It just won't. Now, you can get an interpretation, and, and the goal of it is do it until you feel built up and edified, right? But right here... You're speaking to God. You're speaking direct spirit-to-spirit interaction and communication with God. Don't you want that? I want that. Uh, For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Verse 3, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. Leave it on that one if you would. So um, prophecies regarding the future, regarding the kingdom. What was the third one? Do your homework. Uh, But then also, all prophecy should be for exhortation, edification, and comfort always. Verse 4, and I'm going to define those here in a minute. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I want those that are called to operate in that gift of prophecy to bring it because it edifies the church. Amen? It increases our perspective of what we already have, which I'm going to go into this next one. So let's look at what Jesus said about it. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name and my authority, he will teach you all things. He will remind you of all that I said to you. Now, I put this into um, hearing from God personally, also words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of encouragement, your personal relationship with God. But also, to me, this should be part of the recipe of New Covenant prophecy, teaching you about things to come and reminding you of what Jesus said. Right Now, I'm not saying every prophecy is going to have every element, but we're getting around a well-rounded picture of what this gift is. Uh, so he speaks in Christ's authority. He's from him. He'll teach you things to come and remind you of what Jesus said. Skip to John 15, 26. Uh, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of truth. So somebody said truth. The Spirit, you know, because the gifts are the manifestations of the Spirit, anything related to the Spirit, we should make sure are parts of, when we're listening to prophecy, is this true? Is this rooted in truth? Is it just a lofty... Poetic idea—that's fine. We can have those too. Those can come, and those can open us up and mean something. And I'm not saying it's got to be super structured. It can be poetic. And but then, you know, a prophet might come and give a word, but you get the interpretation on the inside. You know, based on their, uh, it, it's, this, this, is, this is the words of, you know, the definition, the lofty discourse of the display. So, verse twenty-seven, um. And you are testifying, so go back to 26, sorry. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify about me, so testify. And you are testifying as well because you have been with me from the beginning. So this idea of testifying, right? Now, Revelation 19.10, you're a witness. Witnesses testify, you testify, the Holy Spirit wants to testify through you. Revelation 19.10, uh, then I fell at his feet. Th- th- this is uh, John after he's seen this incredible revelation and vision and prophecy of the coming marriage supper of the Lamb. And, he's, and this happens and, 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 and uh, John is standing there marveling of uh, the, 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 the union of the bride and Christ. And this happens, he says, Then I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, Don't do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and your brother and sisters who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I mean, this is just a pillar regarding prophecy. What does that mean? Leave it on that one. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Let's put that in language that we would use today. So the nature of prophecy is to testify of Jesus. The nature of prophecy, like what prophecy is made up of, is to testify of Jesus. You're a witness. The Holy Spirit's a witness. The Holy Spirit wants to testify through you. Amen? I mean, I, I know that this is kind of basic, but I want it to just be clear. And we're pa- Part of the calling of this church is to change the way that we see God with the element of framing everything through who God, who Jesus revealed God to be and what Christ accomplished in His finished work, death, burial, and resurrection, and who we are, and it just keeps going underneath, underneath that. But that's the big idea, right? We're framing everything that has to do with life, faith, our, everything about our being through who we are in Christ, through the finished work of Christ, amen, including the operation of the gifts of the Spirit. So the nature of prophecy is to testify of Jesus. I wrote it a few different ways. I think I'll just publish all these notes because it's way more linear than I normally do, but um, it may be helpful to go back. So testifying of Jesus is the nature of prophecy. You want to prophesy? Well, basically what you're saying is I want to testify of Jesus under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. I'm trying to demystify it. I'm trying to simplify it because people don't do it, because a lot of the model that we've seen about the prophet is your middle name is da da da, da. and your address is, and it's like we're reading people. It's like you're trying to get information. It's like, we're, it's, like we're, it's like the culture is, I've got to know something about you that you don't know to get your attention. Now, that can happen, and it, it happens all the time. Sarah gets people's names. My wife gets people. I've seen her do it multiple times. Is your name so and so? And they're like, Yeah. Well, that'll get your attention. But, but, but that element of it has been glorified, rather than the testifying of Jesus element being glorified. And so then it it it, it causes those that desire the gift, and maybe actually even legitimately called into the office of the prophet, to not engage. Because the example has been about information, about carnality, temporary. Are you with me? Do not put yourself in the position where you think you have to discern information about people to get their attention. If that happens, go with it. That's perfectly fine. It's within orthodox prophecy. (laughs) But it's not about that. Are you with me? Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Huh? Word of, word of knowledge. Well, I mean, yeah, that's probably more of a word of knowledge, but even a word of knowledge, and I'm going to go through these gifts, but, but, but even a word of knowledge, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not necessarily a word of knowledge about information about that person. A word of knowledge is this is what God's trying to do in your life, and maybe there's something going on here that you're constricting that, and let's get, let's get you back on course, you know. But, but we've made it about the hidden and secret information. Because it's kind of cool when it happens, right? You know, and that, and that's what's been fostered in the prophetic movement more so than testifying of the finished work of Christ. Yeah, so testifying of Jesus is what prophecy is all about. That's just what it's for. It's not so that you get to display some gift. It's not so that you know some information gets passed along. It's to testify of Jesus. Now, if God gives you specifics about somebody to open their mind and their heart and give them and kind of. Wake them up a little bit so that you can then testify of Jesus? So be it. John 16, 12, Jesus is continuing. Uh, the, you know, John 14, 15, 16, 17, beautiful element of Jesus' teaching on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, so go back to 12. Um, God you should expect to have a conversation with God. When Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit, he frames it in the context of relationship and communication. Amen uh, and and now for me, it's always seasoned with the Word. Uh, it's always, um, fact-checked by the Word, if you know what I'm saying. Like, Because I just I don't trust myself to just hear some random idea and then be able to say, God said. I mean, that has happened many times in my life, and I do know that I hear God, but I'm not, I'm not anchoring my thoughts and beliefs on, God, I need you to speak to me. The Word is enough for me. But then if He then illuminates in that dialogue and that relational element of us communicating which actually does happen all the time. I mean, I, I feel like I have a conversation with God all the time, all day long. But it's just always through the context of Christ and the Word and things that are familiar within the Word, right? And then sometimes there are things that are like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. So I'm not saying that it's always, he's, you know, the Holy Spirit's not just going to quote the Bible to you. It is a relationship. It is a dialogue. and And, I'm, and nobody can really teach you how to do that. It's you. It's you getting in the Word. It's you spending time worshiping your Lord and God. You being thankful. You opening your heart. You putting the Word in so that it keeps you rooted and grounded in truth. It transforms you. There's a maturity that comes out of it. You know, uh, if I were God, I wouldn't let immature people have the gifts. So then, pretty much none of us would have them, right? <laughs> Verse 13, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. Elements of prophecy guide you into all truth. Uh, He will not speak on His own, but He will speak what He hears and will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me. Huge, huge, huge. He will glorify Me. He will glorify Me. That's the nature of prophecy. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. Now, what does glorify mean? Glorify is the Greek word doxa, D-O-X-A. It does mean brightness, splendor, majesty, all that stuff. But the very first definition of doxa, glory, is view and opinion. So the glory of God is the view and opinion of God. In other words, God's perspective and reality of the situation. Uh, So God's glory, God's view and opinion of a matter, in other words, what God thinks about it, God's will about it, is a particular perspective. And when God's perspective is the reality, that's glorious. God's desire is healing, deliverance, uh, transformation, freedom from Confusion. He's not the author of confusion. You know what I mean? So so when your life reflects what Jesus paid for or what God wants for your life, that's a glorious thing. Amen? That's what we want. I, I was listening to a guy on a podcast, and his definition of wisdom was uh, the knowledge of the will of God. And he was a Democrat. Okay. I don't know why I looked at you. I didn't mean anything by that. I was really just trying to make a joke. He'll glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. This, we should expect to be hearing from the Spirit of God. Amen? Verse 15, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That's a statement. Just think about that. Homework assignment number 12. <laughs> Meditate on Jesus standing confidently, saying, all that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, this is Jesus speaking this whole time, the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Amen? So... There's just so many little bullet points of what prophecy is, all of these course corrections, all of these droplets of thought and truth to have in our mind, to desire it. But one of the, like I said, I already made this point, but one of the things that I want to do for those of you that desire the gift, want to operate in the gift, want to see it functioning, it's easier than you think. It's so much easier than you think. Don't, don't let the the mixtured covenant model defined to you what it looks like. It's not, an, it's not a pursuit of secret information. It's the revelation of that which is ours in Christ. Prophecy is, is the, the, the future building of a framework to catch a vision of that which is already yours, but God is seeking to manifest into your life. Amen. let's go back to 1 Corinthians 143 because I want to give a little bit more. You know I'm just we're, we're cooking up prophecy. These are all the seasonings here right? First Corinthians 14:3 but he that prophesies speaks unto men to edification, ed- exhortation, comfort. The word edify is to build up uh, the act of one who per- listen to this to edify is the act of one, who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, happiness, and holiness. All prophecy should always build up, even if there's a warning within it, because it testifies of Christ. And for anybody to testify of Christ in your life should include, however it's communicated, the fact that you are in Christ. The fact that Christ is in you, that you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, that all his promises are yes and amen. Amen? Prophecy should not undermine that. Prophecy should never leave you feeling lacking. It should never leave you afraid of God or saddled with performance-mindedness that now you've got to do this thing to get this thing. Now, there might be some responsibility that you need to take, some dealing with lies and stuff going on the inside of you, some uh, course correction. You know, I prophesy to you every time I say, Stop it! (laughs) That might be the Spirit, but it should also have within it the comfort. The exhortation, the edification, the building up of, the calling you into that which you already are. Prophecy will call you into something, but it should always be affirming of you already are this thing in spirit. You're complete in Him. Amen? Amen. An exhortation is to admonish, encouragement, that which affords comfort or refreshment or consolation Having to do with messianic salvation, that and salvation is a whole teaching in and of itself. That word is loaded. <laughs> loaded. Uh, I shouldn't reference. That wasn't. I watched too much stand-up comedy, and I just realized where that came from. Us. Right. Uh, persuasive discourse. This is exhort. Persuasive discourse or stirring address. This is part of that lofty discourse. Persuasiveness. You get somebody standing in front of you that starts persuasively speaking to you, who you are. This happened recently. spent some time with someone and uh, got to a point where I, I, you know the opportunity came in where I could speak to them and get them harmonizing with their identity. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have been raised in spiritual life. I have been this. And, and, and then it just, it just shut off. And it, just, it was obvious that it happened. And that's not that, that there's anything wrong with that person. It just reveals, oh, you just need some nurturing in your identity. You don't believe that about yourself, even though it's true. So now, now you know. Let's do some mind renewal here to, in, to engage and put on that which you already are. Um, There's a persuasiveness there. Testifying of Jesus, and to testify of Jesus is to testify to that person, this is who you are in Christ. Never should leave you lacking. Never should leave you feeling deficient or insufficient. Or less than. Or, maybe I do have a demon. You need to go. Okay, now I got a word for you. Now, what you need to do is now you got to go through our deliverance program. It's like it's a foregone conclusion in some circles. Okay, I just keep going. <laughs> so exhortation, edification, and comfort. Uh, it's interesting because it kind of describes the attitude of the word for to comfort, and it does mean to calm and console, but. It's like when 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 the prop if a prophecy brings comfort, it's in the attitude of persuasively bringing this person into calmness. It's active. It's engaging, right? So, how many of you want to prophesy? Yeah, we are to desire it. Um. And I would say to you, as we as this church grows and builds, if you feel like that that's a gift that you really see God working through you, or you know that that's what God works through you, I, you know, and prophets prophets have been um, marginalized and uh, couched, and sometimes they're like, well, I'm just I'm just going to sit here, and, I, and I'm not you know I'm not trying to make anything happen. I'm just like, let's be who we are, you know, let's be who we are. Let's not not be who we are. I mean, why, why would you not? Why would you not? Because something somebody said, you know, we already know prophets are lofty, speaking to spiritual matters, misunderstood sometimes. And if you're a prophet and or you really want to move in that gift of prophecy to people and to others, One of the elements that I see in prophecy is to say what is inspired, and that's it. Don't add to it. I think prophets get in trouble a lot because they feel like they got to teach behind it or add to it. You don't need to do that. The body works together. Amen? So, read 1 Corinthians. And again, this is going to kind of be a three-piece homework. And now, now, not all of you are necessarily going to do this, but especially those of you that raise their hand. And there are people that legitimately flow in the gift of prophecy. There are people that I have had direct conversations with. I trust that you're hearing God. It's an open mic anytime you like. And we try to be, you know, kind of in order toward the end of worship. I'm, is Chris here? Yeah. You know, we we talk about it. We want to kind of try to... Frame it where there's openness for people that are moved on to step into it that way. I, I want this to flow in such a way where all the gifts are in action, all the offices are stepping into that which what God would call them to do. Amen. Well, I want that. I want to see that. We don't and we don't have to have this polished, churchy deliverant or, or, or delivery. You know where where everything's perfect. Uh, so, man. I I feel like Prophetess Sarah over here really kind of brought the idea of it before we ever even got started, and that's come ready. Amen? Come ready. Yeah, not just the church. And also, too, the culmination of it is not just in church. This is practice. This is family sitting around. You know, this this is... uh, the team in the locker room, uh, what's the word? Huddle. Huddle. I'm thinking about, I'm thinking hat decompressing, hat but it's hat hat not decompressing. like when you talk about debriefing, like a debriefing to me. That's just how I see this. We're, we're here on mission together to go out there. We're not fighting any battles. We're declaring the victory. We're not going out there to fight. We're going out there because he won. So come ready and go ready. I'll add to it. Come and go ready. So um, read 1 Corinthians. Start to work on your sketch of the elements of prophecy, specifically those of you that want to Operate in that gift. Those of you that do operate in that gift, I know I could call out a handful of you that do. And uh, we want to hear. I will email, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put all, I'm going to bullet point all this stuff that's in my notes, probably just post the notes, but we'll send that out as an email for you to review. If you don't get our emails, go to forward.church, up at the main heading up on top, click connect. It used to say I'm new, but I changed it. So I don't think anything says I'm new anywhere. We use the word connect. Um, So if you don't get our emails, we send out a weekly email with a a practical application, the sermon video, the practical application video, and probably these bullet points will be in this one. And then I'll just give you the homework for the rest of the days coming because I know some of you are overachievers and you will really want to get this done. As you read 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, Identify what gifts are at work in you and the ones that you want to see work in you. Get a vision for what it looks like and ask the Lord for opportunities to let those gifts work through you. Amen? And I'll say this, man, we have a great time at Equip because it's like we just practiced this past week. We were talking about these kinds of things and, and Tori was like, I've always kind of wondered about the gift of interpretation of tongues. Well, guess what we did? He stood up, prayed in tongues, and a couple people interpreted it. And it was pretty cool. And we can have it. We can do that here too. So I'm not, I'm not talking, you know, if you're new or if you're a visitor, you're welcome and you're getting a glimpse of what this body is called to do. And if that's what you want, stick around. I'm not going to speak to our church and our body from a seeker-sensitive kind of way, I'm looking at people that we are—we are called to lock arms together and make a difference. We're called to change the way that the world sees God, framing everything through the finished work of Christ. Amen. And I, and I want you in your role because everybody's important. That's one of the things that you're going to see as you read through First Corinthians. I'm I'm trying to say it at least 20 times. Read First Corinthians. <laughs> and and uh and just see cuz it's already in you it's the same spirit that does all the same stuff and you probably already are doing it in a lot of ways i just want to intentionalize it and not hold back you know that 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 that's that's really kind of the secret of how to flow in the gifts is stop limiting not how do i do it how do i get it to happen how do i figure it out it's stop benching yourself in the opportunities. Because the Spirit of God is in you, and He's speaking, and He's moving, and He's leading, and you've got a supportive body, and you know who you are. Stop limiting. Amen? Amen? Are you encouraged? Are you built up? Are you edified? Amen. Amen.